Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listener. My listener? Singular listener? Just the one, no. Just the single? Yeah. Guys, this is how we're rolling and starting this episode today. It's a <laughs> mess already. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you, individual <laughs> listener, for joining us here on the World Build With Us podcast. We do, in fact, create fantastic worlds with help from you, all of our listeners. I am here joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. Thank you all so much for listening. Oh, boy. I hope this isn't indicative of how the rest of this episode is going to go. Uh, on today's episode, we are doing our semi-annual or, or seasonal, I suppose. Yeah, let's go with seasonal. We're doing a seasonal world-building jam where we roll some dice and create scenarios based on those dice rolls. But before we get into it, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or if you want to talk to us more directly, you can come and join our Discord with the link for that in the description. Come chat with us about how much of a train wreck this episode is already, or your favorite world building prompt, or you can come share your own world, get some critiques, feedback, all that other good stuff. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon, where you get access to patron-only goodies like patron-only episodes, early episodes, double-length prompt episodes, among other things that I'm forgetting currently. But you can go ahead and join our Patreon by clicking the link in the description or by going to our website as per usual. And a big thank you to all of our patrons for your continued support. So anyway, without further ado, let's dive right into our first world-building jam session. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. But also, the way that this particular episode works is that we have a series of random tables. We're going to roll some dice that are going to determine what our genre, theme, and the first thing we're focusing on are going to be. And then we kind of have to just build worlds based on those prompts. It's very loosey-goosey. It's very fun. And uh, I, I always find that we come up with really interesting worlds this way. So... Without further ado, let's get to rolling. The genre we're rolling with is dark fantasy. Okay, we've got some grim dark nonsense and the theme that we're rolling with is going to be our theme this time is secrets. And the first thing that we're going to be focusing on is the rise of a new era. So our genre is dark fantasy. Our theme is secrets. And the first thing we're focusing on is the rise of a new era. So Daniel, start us off today. What are your first ideas surrounding this particular jam? If I am indeed starting us off, my <laughs> my first thought is that it guys um, fear and paranoia are weapons and you should know how to use them i'm just tossing that out there continue on daniel what do you got for us if i'm indeed starting uh my first thought is some new um rulership or monarchy or um it doesn't have to necessarily be like a monarchy 
but some new sovereignty coming to power in, in a way that is secretly illegitimate and mm. therefore starting a new era. I don't know why my brain immediately went to oligarchy uh, or, or I'm sorry. Oh. No, no, not oligarchy. What's the what's the um, actually, you know, fuck it. Yeah, let's do oligarchy. No one ever does an oligarchy in their medieval world, right? Or or dark fantasy world. So yeah, let's do an oligarchy. That's fun. What do we got? So it's like a small, ultra powerful group that's working in the background, basically. Yeah, effectively. I don't know why my brain went this way, but I'm thinking like mm-hmm. a mercantile group is secretly behind the scenes. You know, I was thinking that too. If it's like guild leaders from various guilds who are actually mm-hmm. in control, puppeteering stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like a coronation and that this has been precipitated by the small group. Yeah. Oh, OK. OK, hold on. Yes. Yes. And the the way that the coronation happened is that the monarchy, the 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 kind of uh, ceremonial, I guess, monarchy is literally bought and sold. So yeah. you buy your way into power through like the rise of a new monarch or new leader or something like that. Is that known or is that a secret thing? It is entirely secret within this okay. small mercantile guild okay. or group or something like that. So it's like you basically buy your way into the royal family, more or less? More or less, yeah. I, okay. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then there's kind of like an unspoken deal that like, I, I think that there's got to be some kind of like secondary, there, there's like the functional ruler of the the family and they're like, listen, we're for sale here, folks. Like you tell us what to do and we enact that policy. No problem. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's someone who's facilitating the sale and that's like perhaps an older monarch or like maybe a cousin of the royalty or something mm-hmm. like that. Someone mm-hmm. lower in the ranking, like a publicly visible, but actually the right. one who's brokering the deal. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. like, they're the, they're the real ones with power because they're mm-hmm. the broker. Yeah. Now, are the, is the oligarch literally being bought into the family, or is it that their purchase gives them control over this this monarchy? I think I'm looking at it like it's a sponsorship, essentially, right? <laughs> Where whoever like gets the winning bid, so to speak, is mm-hmm. like placed upon the throne, and then like the story for the cover up is whatever it needs to be. So there's entire fictions of like family history of like. Oh, there's internal civil war. Oh, there's a scandal. And it's all manufactured for the ability to get whoever they want on the throne. Yeah. I could also see it being like a divine right sort of bullshit. Like, oh, oh yeah. like the, yeah. the God has like smiled upon this person from this random family. He's going to be our king now. And obviously it was behind the scenes. It was all just purchased. That That's kind of fun, too, actually. Yeah. I like that. So just to clarify, though, we're saying that the purchase literally puts a person from the oligarchy into the throne, as opposed to them having influence over the actual monarchs. I'm open to interpretation for that. I imagine that there's probably exceptions to what we're talking about here, where it's like it's supposed to be, you know, this kind of. um, Oh, actually, maybe that's the rise of the new era. Hear me out, right? Maybe that's how it always has been, where everyone's ruled from the shadows, where it's like when you purchase someone, Mm -hmm. it means that you're buying their influence. But this most recent iteration is, no, I'm going to put myself on the throne. Uh, I like that. And and then what that does in terms of tension is you're creating like, 
like you're giving away the game like don't do you're this. compromising the whole yeah, exactly. right yeah and so like because whether they're hubris that person's hubris or whatever whatever reason they want to be in the front and have a face they're compromising a legacy of corruption that goes back who knows right. how long you know? and secrecy right mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. this makes me think of um the young pope it, I think, happens in yeah. the first episode where there's an election for a new pope and mm-hmm. there's all this scheming going on behind the scenes. But because of the way that people vote, somebody that they didn't really intend to become the pope actually becomes the pope. And everybody's like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. So, OK, this is this is pretty interesting already, because now mm-hmm. we've got like courtly intrigue kind of front and center, which I love. I'm a I'm a big fan. And considering that this is dark fantasy, like, how do we bring in the dark aspect? Like, yeah, we have political corruption, but that's not inherently dark, right? That's just kind of part of uh, a normal world setting, right? So so Mm -hmm. how do we take this and make it dark? Courtney, you can't say blood or blood sacrifice. So, well, I'm a lot of ideas. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So Hmm. so let let's go something. I I would like to hear, hear me out, right? I feel like we're already too close to some real world conspiratorial nonsense so if we could stay away from literal child sacrifice and make it about something else i would really prefer that because that sounds more interesting anyway to me yeah um i was thinking if we could focus more on like the secret thing and like have Mm -hmm. that be i don't know part of the magic of their system like by by giving up secrets you sort of give part of yourself to another person and they have mm. some level of control over you oh maybe everyone in the oligarchy has to give their secrets to each other so there's like um what do you call it um it's like a black everyone has leverage against each other yeah 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 mm. which i guess oh. is also pretty similar to real life stuff <laughs> but yeah, magically. yeah but magically but magically yes right yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay maybe maybe there's some kind of like magically obscuring effect as well kind of like a masquerade almost right mm. where well, well, this is actually kind of like a uh, water deep, right? Where there are seven masked lords and it's to protect people from just being openly assassinated and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe to add like an extra layer to the kind of courtly intrigue, maybe the one secret that people have is like who is actually part of the council, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. that's why the broker is allowed to be so powerful is because they're the one who kind of knows who they're dealing with, right? Like that's where the power really lies. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And yeah, maybe it's some sort of like naming magic or something where like it literally gives you control over somebody if if you know who they are mm. and like where they come from, something like that. Interesting. And and is this magic itself a secret? Because I'm thinking like if mm. this group is wielding this, right, like then let me put it this way, right? If people know that secrets are magic and secrets are power then they're going to be hunting for it every chance that Mm -hmm. they can possibly get. But if this sect of magic is based entirely on secrets and the general public doesn't know about it, that makes it all the more effective as a manipulation device and as like a literary device as well. It would be interesting to me if um, the magic has some restriction that makes it not able to be widespread. Uh-huh. There's a reason why this this small oligarchy either has control over it or they're the only ones who use it um, mm-hmm. or that it's difficult to use outside of that. Just because I do, I feel like there's something about this setting that's suggesting to me something more 
in the direction of low fantasy when it comes to magic mm. than oh yeah you know yeah, than I high fantasy mm-hmm. with lots of magic whereas mm-hmm. like this might be the only magical thing about the center i wonder if it's like the god of secrets is also a greedy god and they they mm-hmm. sort of apply it with their material wealth or like their wealth oh, makes them more good. powerful in the eyes of the god or something like that oh how about this okay hold on I, i've got an idea what if if you spend enough money you obscure your name so like knowing people's names is where like the magic like because i know your name courtney right like it's kind of a mm-hmm. necessity of public life right so what happens if you pay this god of secrets and what ends up happening is they erase your name from like the world. Mm-hmm. So you literally cannot be known. And that is a way that you are able to manipulate magic. Now, what ends up happening, of course, is you kind of create this intense world of paranoia and isolation. And, and also the wealth accumulation is also a really important aspect to it as well. Right. But what do we think about something like that? I think that that can be kind of a, a cool conceit to the, to the way that magic might work. Can you reiterate that again? Sure. So effectively what's happening is everyone has a name, right? Monarchs have names. Daniel, you have a name. So we all know each other's names, right? And in this world, names and identities have power. That is literally where uh, we are exuding magic effectively, right? So what, what the rich do is that they will pay money to this God of secrets to obscure their name to the world mm-hmm. itself. So their identity is effectively erased. And when that happens, they are then able to express magic, right? Because their name is no longer out there and their name is power and their power is now their own. So I like that because that means that could mean that the magic is like this illusory magic because it suggests yeah. to me that mm-hmm. when you've erased your name, um, you become invisible in a way. And so mm-hmm. like, it's almost like the, the God that you've paid this, this price to has turned you into smoke. And now you can kind of move around yeah. in a way that, mm-hmm. that other people can't see. Yeah. 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 I like that sort of image too, or the idea of like, if your name had been written down previously, it starts to blur. Or if mm-hmm. people are trying to refer to you, they just like cannot think of your name for some reason. And they don't know why. Right. And then eventually your, your identity, your name eventually slips from the minds of those who Mm -hmm. try to recollect it, you know? Yeah. Imagine trying to remember your mother's face and you can't Mm -hmm. because it's been erased. And then like, what does that do to that person? Right? Like I imagine that there are people out there who are afflicted by these, like, did I do that? And then it's like actually just the machinations of some invisible person. And then the guilt Mm -hmm. that they feel is their own, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that this is potentially pretty rich for uh, like what we can do with the setting. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is like the oligarchs probably all have fake names who they operate under. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's all code names. 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very rumble. Ooh, actually, I'm literally <laughs> holding a deck of tarot cards right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can just pull one out. And it's like, oh, this is the hanged man or. Oh, this is the priestess. You know, like there we go. You've got like names of power right there. Ooh, oh, hold on. Is the name you adopt the expression of your magical power? Is that what it is as well? So you erase your name and take on a more magical one or something like that. Yeah, or like the god like whispers to you in a dream and gives mm. you a new name. 
And then that name is like how you express power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like cool. too the idea that um, if the name is your identity and your identity is your power, right? And by giving money to this God, you've extinguished your identity, that this magic is arising in almost in the absence of your soul in a sense, right? Yeah. So you're this vessel for some other power now. It, do, it does feel like we're like, it's an allegory for selling your soul to the devil, but without the devil <laughs> right. part. Yeah. Right. Or being empty, you know, like having no fundamental meaning. Like there's no ground truth to you anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. You're kind of signing the devil's book as well, right? Like that's oh, yeah. what you're effectively doing. Or it's like, what is that God going to do with all these identities once it's accumulated right. a certain amount? Right, exactly. It's like, oh, it's just in the afterlife, whatever. I have a, I have an entire <laughs> army of souls, you know, whatever. Yeah. No big deal. It's fine, guys. Yeah. Just going to um, crash the gates of heaven. No problem. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. You also um, brought up like, you know, forgetting your mother's face before. And that would really be bizarre when it comes to family dynamics. And like, if you have this this really wealthy person who goes through this process and then their entire family no longer knows who they are. And mm -hmm. like what that does to the family units and how that splits people apart and changes them over time. I feel like it would just have a oh, lot yeah. of ripple effects. Oh, yeah. And you'd have like uh, incidental incest stories as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Where it's just like, I don't know why I'm attracted to this person, but it's like your dad or something gross like that. Oh, and it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and mind you, really, like the person who's adopted a new moniker, they still know. So it's all on them. Like they are the ones who are truly in control oh. and power here, you know? So it's not like they yeah. erase their own identity. It's like, you are my uncle or father or brother. I can't remember which, but like either way, you know, like something like that. Or or, or actually, do we want, oh, well, this kind of reminds me of that uh, that thing that Daniel brought up, the the experiment where it's like the only way to achieve true equality is through pure anonymity, right? So maybe- Maybe when you take on this moniker, do you, I, I, I don't know. There is something appealing here and, and bear with me here as I kind of work this out. There is something that's kind of appealing to the idea that, that this person maintains their identity. So like there's power in that and they maintain, they're able to wield power. There's simultaneously mm -hmm. something interesting about the fact that they themselves forget their own name given enough time. What, what do y'all think about that kind of setup? I kind of prefer the former where they still know who they are mm -hmm. slash who they were. Cause I feel like that does make it mm -hmm. darker in the sense of like, yeah. like you said, they, they knowingly enter into like an incestuous relationship or they knowingly fuck over somebody who used to be their best friend. I feel like that yeah. works well with just the idea of power corrupting. Mm -hmm. Like if there's court intrigue, their legacies are hugely part of it. So I think like, yeah, them sure. knowing who they are like in one sense they haven't really lost their identity despite that the magic is saying they have like they know who they are and if anything what's really happening at least at a narrative point of view is like they are affirming their identity more so than anyone else because not only are they saying you know i'm willing to violate everything i stand for but i stand for these horrible things you know by committing to them so it's like the story is telling us one thing from the perspective of the magic, like they've given up their identity to control others, but mm -hmm. really they're pinning themselves down even more as a terrible person. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Cause they can never go back from that. Mm -hmm. Like once they've made this deal with the God, like that's it. Right. They essentially think that they're buying their freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. it, and then what that does as well is that it shows you who that person really is. Like if you are free from consequence, who are you really? 
because mm, because exactly. so much of our own identity is made up of social contracts and like kind of the relation to the world. And when that's gone, if you're just like a pure asshole, then it's like, oh, I was like a really righteous man in my, you know, in my real life. And all of a sudden it's like, no, that's not who I am, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, approach to the whole idea, I think. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Well, I think that we've talked about this setting enough that it's time that we toss in a twist and see what this twist does for our dark political intriguey world that's got all sorts of backstabbing and identity politics, literal identity politics <laughs> in it. So let's go ahead and roll the die for the twist. And the twist for this setting is. Oh my god. add dinosaurs. What? Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a dinotopia kind of thing. I don't uh, fucking know, man. Like are the people the dinosaurs? <laughs> this, no, it's literally the 90s sitcom dinosaurs. Yes, <laughs> Just well, let's take a let's take it at face value for a second yeah, yeah, and yeah, consider yeah. what dinosaurs are. Like if we're gonna take it literally or metaphorically, like metaphorically, um, okay, I can see this some going somewhere. Metaphorically, dinosaurs are relics. They're things that have been on Earth that tell us about the past um, yeah. and some disaster that happened in mm-hmm. the past and what could become of us in the future. I think this is suggesting that um, that perhaps you know there is an older sect kind of like in Suspiria, um, where there's like an even older, more evil witch. Like perhaps there's an even older, more evil power afoot or to be unearthed like dinosaurs. So we have reptilians controlling the government. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, they could be part of the same oligarchy, but um, yeah. you could add another layer of intrigue that way. Now, as an aside, I do appreciate when you break down like the, the meaning behind <laughs> these things, because it does I help. completely agree. Um, now we need to add feathers to just trigger Daniel <laughs> so hard. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As, as much as I love the metaphorical, can we maybe even mix in some of the imagery of an actual dinosaur? Yeah, right? I think so. So, so here's, here's what I'm thinking. We can call it like the court of fangs or the court of uh, some something Ooh, like that. Court of bones. Court of bones. Sure. So so effectively, there is a giant dinosaur skull that makes up like everyone is like a sharp pointed person. Right. And everyone mm-hmm. makes the maw. And so I think that we should mix what is usually perceived as, you know, savagery and violence and give that an interesting twist where. This is a dinosaur god that is the god of secrets. I don't know why mm-hmm. that's so interesting to me that a giant like T-Rex is the one yeah. who's doing this. But that to me is like really fucking interesting because it's so like left field of what we're used to. You want dark fantasy? Their city or wherever this takes place was built amongst the corpse of a great enormous dinosaur creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got new chromosome. Daniel, yeah. you should really read Perdido Street <laughs> Station. You really should I, read yeah, it at some I point. I don't like him as a writer. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, I know, I know, but that's yeah. literally new chromosome from. It's a uh, giant a dinosaur. Movie. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, it's not a dinosaur, but it's, well, a, fine. it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's dinosaur this time. So fuck you. Chromosome, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know what? Fuck it. I'm down with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I mean, yeah. maybe that is the corpse of this god. 
Yeah. Like it was mm. a physical entity and now it's something destroyed yeah. it and it's trying to regain that power maybe to yes. resurrect itself. Its bones are literally whispering to these people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I love Hell what yeah. you said too about this is a civilization that's kind of been built on intelligence rather than savagery, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, dinosaur is not necessarily known for their intelligence, but that's where we subvert expectations. We zag instead of zig, you know, like well, they're there known for the savagery, right? And this this court of intrigue is is smart because they're manipulating. Oh, shit. oh, is this like a warrior culture that they've kind of supplanted? Is that what's going on? Um, I didn't necessarily see that. I just meant like, oh, you mean in the past that that originally, like when the dinosaur was alive? No, I mean, like the monarchy that we have. Because oh. we've created this false monarchy, like maybe maybe what happens is when they buy the monarchy, right, to go back to the original premise, maybe what happens is that like, oh, there's a new fighter in the way that, you know, like God smiles upon them is through single combat, you know, something yeah. like that, you know, and like that's how they set up these kind of political dynasties and stuff like that. I'm not as keen on that only because like it pushes the whole thing more in a direction that's like less... um you know, like less game. I mean, Game of Thrones has lots of violence, but but you know what I mean? Like less um, maneuvering as far as thinking is concerned. And the conquests are more about like stratagems. And it's like putting an actual fight as the succession just seems to me too, oh, oh, too no, direct I, to the dinosaur, you know? Oh, I, I'm suggesting that that's the pageantry. That's not actually what's going uh, on. Okay. The oh, real okay. power is the political intrigue. It's just a but, ceremony. Right, what, because we need an excuse to get new people onto the throne, right? And the mm -hmm. way that we do that, kind of like Courtney was suggesting divine right, mm -hmm. what I'm suggesting is divine combat. Like, that's like how you get your okay. puppet on the throne, effectively. Like a ceremonial thing. Yeah. I could see that. Like, if they, they like, fake the fight, it's, like, mm -hmm. completely... Exactly. Yeah, fight. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think right. that, that will tie into the ancient culture that perhaps this creature and it, the previous city belonged to, mm. too. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well... I love our courtly intrigue and giant dinosaur bone tie. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I can see yeah. it. I can yeah, see I it. can see it. I think it works. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it works very well. It's got very Conan Dark Age like vibes to it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you'd also brought up like the masquerade imagery earlier. And like yeah, I could see yeah. these people walking around with like these elaborately like scaled and feathered masks or something. Thank you for the feathers, Courtney. I was yes, going to add that if you didn't. So yeah. yes, thank you for getting and like the, the dino mask kind of deal. Yeah, she said feathers, bones. Daniel. I don't know what you're getting. <laughs> How dare you? All right. So I, I think that we've given this a good, clean go through. So let's go ahead and roll another jam. How y'all feel about that? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. All right. So same rules apply we're going to go ahead and roll the die for the twist oh no wait, not the twist oh no my brain you guys my brain <laughs> the genre we're looking for the genre and our genre this time is occult detective Ooh, that's going to be fun we i feel like we don't get the detective ones enough or maybe we do and i just forget but whatever the theme surrounding this occult detective is well, okay, I'm not going to do mystery for an occult detective. That's pretty fucking obvious. Okay, we're going to reroll that. So the new theme, the new theme for the occult detective is going to be pain. Mm. So we've got pain, an occult detective story, and the first thing that we're focusing on is 
a weapon. All right. Pretty straightforward. Daniel, you started us off last time. So, Courtney, what is your first thoughts on an occult detective story with a theme of pain focusing on a weapon? What kind of Um, weapon is it, Courtney? I mean, I'm definitely picturing like a a pistol, given that it's a detective kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You got to do like a like a revolver even. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's like something about the weapon causes some immense pain for this person using it like they they have to use it to maybe uh take down these occult beings Mm. it's like ghosts or like paranormal entities or monsters or something but in using it it like causes them pain or harm Mm. I was literally going to say he shoots ghosts but um (laughs) yeah just shoots them yeah yeah (laughs) So, okay, I, I've actually got an interesting conceit for you here. There's a great comic series called 100 Bullets. Uh, in it, there is this woman who through, I'm not going to spoil or go into it too much, but effectively a government agency gives her 100 bullets and says, any of these that we find in a body, we will not, no questions asked, uh, look into the murder whatsoever. We will make it go away. So what is interesting to me about this particular conceit is that what we have here is a limited resource for dealing with these occult creatures and beings and stuff like that. And I think that what's what's going on is that this is this person's pain poured into the literal casings of these bullets. And I don't know what that means yet, but that's going to ask. But that's kind of what I'm going with. I think that's like a fun way to start looking at it. Mm -hmm. I also, um, when you were both talking, like was thinking when I heard the premise of about like the detective in some way managing some kind of really intense psychic pain or trauma and that that's Mm -hmm. striving them. And so the idea of perhaps the weapon containing it in some way is interesting. I wonder if... uh, since you're saying it might be divided amongst the bullets. I don't know if we will, how close we want to like go to that other concept that is one that's already published, but perhaps the idea of like the weapon carries past actions that cause this person pain. Mm. And so the mm. use of it hurts them because it brings them flashbacks of what happened. Like maybe for example, they don't know the full truth. And so in the use of the weapon, it's slowly leaking out that truth and it hurts them to learn more and more what they actually are what they've actually done in this mystery like maybe the mystery is an inward kind of thing of them discovering who they are what if the detective is also a ghost and they're learning about the things that they did in their their life oh that's fun i like that (laughs) that's weird yeah all right so there's a game called ghost trick where you're a ghost and a detective who has to solve their own murder so that's that's kind of like uh-huh. the vibe I'm getting from this, except I like the idea that we can kind of make it so you're also a complete bastard. So <laughs> maybe like part of the detective work is that no one wants to help you, right? Yeah. Like, and so when you're shooting these bullets or maybe when you're like reliving this pain, you also have to atone in some way or like mm-hmm. there's a redemptive arc in like overcoming this pain or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm just spitballing. So it's like Disco Elysium, but you're dead already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we think about um, how this would work metaphysically, right? So, you know, gun kills. Um, does this spectral weapon 
Maybe it is a physical, a spectral representation of something else. It seems to be a representation of this person's sins, but the use of it, does it kill other ghosts permanently? Like, what does it do when I fire this gun? Great question. Yeah. yeah. If we have pain bullets, like, what does that look like, right? <laughs> yeah. Does it, like, eliminate my past memories? Like, am I hunting down my old sins and killing them? Is that what I'm uh, doing? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Oh, my God. Those are all such good ideas. Okay. So, yes. You use the bullets to shoot your literal manifested sins. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. But... The only way that you can load this gun and use these bullets is by atoning for them or making something right in the world. Mm, so yeah, when you yeah. try and like, you know, like I'm assuming it's a revolver, right? Mm-hmm. When you try and like reload or un- I, I don't know the fucking terminology, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not a gun person. <laughs> but when you try and like flip out the, the six chamber, right? Like it's locked. It's like literally locked into place. And you can have like little chains around it or something like that if you want a visual metaphor. But like realistically, you literally cannot fire the gun Mm -hmm. until you've atoned for these. And then that's where the ammunition becomes accessible. Mm -hmm. That's a cool concept because like you're you're hunting down these things. And I could imagine this person being frustrated once they get into a situation where like they just want to end something or resolve something very quickly. But first, they basically have to do like an internal therapy session with themselves. to Like overcome the the guilt of their own actions and literally build a chamber your own demons yeah absolutely yeah. build a yeah. chamber like you have to muster the the ammunition to defeat your your previous sin or trauma mm-hmm. yeah 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 absolutely and then of course okay i'm gonna go super dark with it the last demon that you have to face is yourself because oh, you committed suicide oh that's uh, cool yeah yeah well, I just love it visually because I can see this as like a Planescape adventure or it's like, you know, um, what are some of the other ones that happen like in this other like uh, what's that movie with Robin Williams? What Dreams May Come. Yeah, it's like got this like mm-hmm. alternate reality kind of exploration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, imagine being such a complete and total multiplanar bastard that <laughs> when you kill yourself, the sins of your past explode into the world. <laughs> It yeah. is now your duty to go around and collect them or at least like make sure that they're dead and buried. Right. And the way that yeah. you do that is through self-exploration, as Courtney kind of suggested, is through therapy, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, this could be even like the one way you could present this as a setting is if you were writing a story or something is this is the voyage, which might be styled in different ways, um, that every dying person embarks upon. It's right. the investigation that every person has to do when they die it just happens to be styled as a noir kind of um detective adventure because perhaps this person was a detective and that's why it's styled mm-hmm. this way but the sure. idea is that you have to hunt down your previous traumas and deal with the things that are haunting your psyche before you can move on as a spirit yeah yeah that's do- i want to play this video game honestly. i know it sounds very cool mm-hmm. i could also see it as like you aren't a detective you are like a hitman or something like that oh but yeah in sure, your yeah. your afterlife you you make yourself out to be a detective because that's mm-hmm. the more noble uh, um, route. That's even better. I love yeah. that. And then you, of course, mm-hmm. find out what you were and it's like a shocking moment. Yeah. I, I like the idea of like incidental detective, like, oh, mm-hmm. I was not equipped for this. And actually the, the, the detecting, right, is what in fact forces you to interrogate your own mm-hmm. uh, interactions and demons and stuff like that. Also, the idea of it being like this voyage into the the afterworld is kind of like the swan song. It's like the last ringing in your ear that you hear 
as mm-hmm. your spirit goes out, you know, it's this, yeah. this all of in that moment, you have to make sense of all this, you know, as your brain is dying. And metaphorically, there's so many ways that you can express that as well. Mm-hmm. Like you could have it be like a train or a boat yeah. and, and like, mind you, not just like a steamboat, right. But you can also do like, uh, like a rowboat, like you're, you're going all the way back to like Charon, right. Like, and, and stuff like that. Or, or like, oh, it's the last flight out of Monaco or, or, or Casablanca or whatever, right? Like, there's so many rich metaphors that you can be like, this is your way home. You have to earn passage onto boat, train, plane, carriage, etc. Right? Yeah. It um reminds me of in The Leftovers. I don't want to spoil stuff too much, but basically there's a very surreal portion where a character sort of experiences a different existence and they they're given a choice of like in the scenario do you want to be an international assassin do you want to be a cop and there are a couple other things and like based on that choice they they interact with the world in a different way interact with the scenario Mm -hmm. in a different way so i could see that being similar here where you like wake up and you have a choice of like do Mm -hmm. i want to be a detective do i want to be the hitman that i actually was do i want to be this other whatever and you kind of go from there Oh, so you choose who you want to be? Is that what you're trying to argue here? Or it's like your your psyche is kind of given a choice of like, who do you want to act like in this experience that you're about to go through? What do you think you are deep down? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Are those what the demons manifest as? Like what you think you are? Like their their self-reflections or something? Or like who you could have been? Their possibilities Ooh. maybe? I think the manifestations are your sins, but what what you're saying, I think, Courtney, is that the role you're playing in the voyage is the choice you're making as to how to represent yourself, even though it may yeah. not be accurate, right? Pretty much, yeah. Are you are you basically choosing a class at that kind point? Of, if yeah, we're, maybe, if you're approaching yeah, it maybe. like a like an RPG, uh-huh. right? Like you're yeah. like, oh, I want to play the story by kicking down doors and beating up bad uh-huh. guys. Like mm-hmm. it's the story you tell yourself, right? Like it makes yeah. you think like yeah, if yeah, I'm yeah. if I was a hitman and I'm a jerk and I murdered a lot of people, um, the story I tell myself is at least for this particular person, is like I was a detective, I was doing the righteous thing, I was right. doing what mm-hmm. I had to, right? So you play yeah. this like you know, strong, noir, hyper-masculine detective, right? But you find mm-hmm. out that you're actually just a terrible hitman. You know? so, yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea that, like, the more hyper-masculine your choice at the beginning, the mm-hmm. more it mocks you when you get yeah. there, the more that <laughs> yeah, it yeah. challenges uh-huh. that, you know, like... It shows that you're a coward. And you're exactly, just, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, what you, you know, like, your class obviously forces you to to pick what you're choosing to confront in your sins effectively right Mm -hmm. because oh oh, okay hold on hold on okay we're making a video game here folks we're making a (laughs) full-on video game or actually a structured rpg okay we call this game six chambers and it's the number of guns because this it's a revolver right we've we've made that happen and then you have six sins that you have to um or five sins because you have to save the last bullet for yourself uh (laughs) But that's effectively what you're doing. You're creating five manifestations of your sin. And that's what happens. There we go. We made a video game. So I want to go out there and make it. Give us a million dollars. <laughs> millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the second time this episode I've done that. But millions and millions of dollars. And we'll go make this video game. We'll make it happen. You've got a crack writing team uh, and me. And, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll go make this happen right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we still need a twist? 
I don't want to do it. I don't want to add dinosaurs to this one, guys. (laughs) I I want to see what it is. I know we're we're gonna. I'm so concerned. We're just gonna hit the save button right now. Yeah, wait, hold on, Daniel. How much anime do you want to watch in this particular? (laughs) God help me. Okay, so let's see. What do we got? What do we got for a twist? Let's see what we got going on here. I can't even tell you how to define anime other than that it's stupid. I don't really know. Like, I, like if someone asked me, like, well, okay, dark fantasy is what? And I could tell them blah, blah, blah. But for anime, I'm like, it's just, it's just annoying. That's what it is. I don't know how else to tell you. It's annoying. It's a cartoon. It's an annoying Daniel, cartoon. Let me roll the die so we can get the twist. Come on. <laughs> All right. The twist is. Oh, throw the story into the past or future. So add dinosaurs. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, technically we can do this, right? Because if you go, because we're dealing with five sins, right? That we have to approach. These are all like different functions in your history. So maybe when you like, you go back to the origin point of that sin effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So in the story, you're time traveling through your life. But we're also, I think it'd be more interesting if it wasn't entirely apparent, you know, right away. So like maybe make it a really caricatured version or a really metaphorical vision of that moment in your life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's put through a very strong, in this case, like detective noir filter. So like, Mm. let's say you have a memory of like, uh, this guy was, I don't know, a young kid and he's remembering like his parents having a violent fight or something and it, in his mind it's going to be like not his parents anymore but these like two attractive noirish figures and they're like having a very dramatic for femme fatale court yes yes yeah. and yeah they're having this like dramatic screaming match and it, it's not something that this person would immediately go like oh yeah that's mm-hmm. my mom and dad but it's more like how how yeah. they're seeing them in this moment it's it's two lounge singers who are arguing over who gets to, you know, like be the diva for that night or who who really deserves to be the top build singer. And in reality, it's actually like a fight your parents had about who has custody over you in the divorce mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the type of metaphor that we can kind of really dig into and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. And of course, they're both like drinking martinis and throwing stuff at each other and other oh yeah yeah no there's shade mm-hmm. and like although yeah it's it's a good time it's a good time unless you're not into that but if it's you know Whew. all right well we dodged we we successfully dodged a bad or not a bad but a, a potentially thorny twist with that one <laughs> I'm, I'm, wow I'm anime happy. exactly we dodged it uh, hold on do we even have anime left on this list let me take a look oh, we might have God, used no. it this cycle hold on let me see let me see <laughs> No, Daniel, you're in the clear. We've already used anime for this cycle. Now, hold on, though, because, well, oh, oh, no, we've still got quite a few twists left on this list. Mm -hmm. So we're we're, we're good for a while. And we haven't gotten your new one yet, the one that you personally added into this. So we'll see. I added one? I don't even know. Yeah, it's called (laughs) Throw a Dance Party. And then in parentheses, Daniel Quinn is to blame. Oh, God damn it. How did I do that? I don't remember. I don't remember God it's damn it. And I'm very happy to see I hate dance parties. Show. How the hell did I put that in there? <laughs> I don't know, but you did it. It says uh, Daniel Quinn is to blame. So I'm assuming horrible. it's your fault. You know, I don't horrible. know why I would lie to myself. Um. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm going to call it there. That was a hell of a ride. I had a ton of fun with these two jams. Honestly, 
I, I want to play both of these, whether they're a video game or an RPG or maybe even just someone write a novel. Steal these ideas. Make novels. Yes, out of them, please know? do. <laughs> yeah. Give it. Give us some royalties. Just a little bit. But, you know, or, or at least invite us to the Hollywood premiere. Something like that. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but with with all that said and done, a big thank you to all of our listener uh, callback for for. for <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, though, a big thank you to all of our listeners and a particularly big thank you to all of our patrons for your continued support. Remember that on our regular episodes, if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, where you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're still on Twitter over on Let's World Build, uh, at Let's World Build. Yeah, there we go. Or if you feel like chatting with us in particular, or you want to kind of work out the legal dealings of our upcoming uh, movie slash video game slash RPG, whatever, you can go to our Discord and DM us there. Or or just maybe just drop a question in the box. That's fine, too. If you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon uh, with a link for that in the description and on our website where you can give us money. And in return, you'll get access to all sorts of sweet, sweet patron-only goodies, including patron-only episodes, a patron-only Discord channel, and double length on your prompt, among other cool things. But those those are the baseline ones, right? I'm pretty sure I'm missing some that are really important and people that would really want. But if you're interested, if you're like, hey, I want to give these cool people some money, you can go to our Patreon and look at the whole list of cool things that you get by doing so. And with all of that said, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week. 